Well, turn in your Bibles to Leviticus chapter 23. We're seeing the various holy days or holidays that God gave to the people. And why? Why did he do that? Well, the purpose of the feast is to remind them of God's power, provision, and deliverance. In fact, as they look back, and every time they would think of Passover or unleavened bread, our first fruits, or some of the other things, they would think about God's power and provision and deliverance. Then also, it's a foreshadow to the Messiah of his person and work. They may not have realized every bit of that. Sometimes they did, sometimes they didn't. But I think that when they looked at it, they they may have put together that the Messiah would follow that pattern. Us looking back, we realized that what those feasts did was actually a pattern and a foreshadow of Jesus Christ, our Savior. So when we look at that, we can see all that. Um, uh, it's really, really amazing, the, the foreshadow to the Messiah, the person, the work of Jesus Christ. So let's do this. Let's think about something. We, we have something that we... Uh, recognize all the time. We have two what we call ordinances of the church. They're, they're holidays like Easter and, and those kind of things, but they're two things that we really follow. Whoops. I wonder where. Hold on just a second. Oh, okay. I, I forget. We think of Passover lamb in the nation of Israel. That, here's what's so great. When we think of the Passover lamb for Israel, we realize it's Jesus Christ, and we'll talk more about that. There are really two things. The baptism and the Lord's Supper are the two ordinances that we do all the time. The idea of baptism is we do that one time because salvation is one time. It's salvation, uh, baptism is a picture of our identification with the death and resurrection of Christ, and that happens, and that's our testimony of our salvation. The Lord's Supper is an ongoing uh, thing when we think about what Jesus did and who he is, his body and his blood and all that. Well, you may not realize it, but the Lord's Supper, it really goes back to Passover. And so this morning when we look at Passover, we want to think about the, the, the Passover and the Lord's Supper and how all of this ties together. In the, in the upper room, the night before Jesus Christ went to the cross, he's with this men and he says, seek this body. It represents my, take this bread, it represents my body. Take this juice, it represents my blood. And so I put right here, do we realize that the Passover meal was the meal that Jesus was celebrating with his disciples? Everybody calls it the what? The last, the last supper, but it's actually Passover meal. And so we're going to see this morning how the Passover meal fits together with what Jesus did. Basically, we're going to see how the Jewish people celebrate Passover and then how what Jesus did and how it all ties together for us. So there's a lot of things. Uh, we've been talking about the feast, uh, the special days. There's a weekly feast called Sabbath. We said that you're to work six days, rest on the seventh. That was the Sabbath for the Jewish people. The principle, not that we uh, observe a Sabbath because we don't do that. We deserve, we also do what we call Lord's Day, which is the first day of the week, which we come together as believers. But the, the goal is that you have at least one day that you rest. You rest from your work. You rest. Uh, then we saw the monthly feast uh, to call the new moon, the beginning of the month. It was one or two days, and it was to remind the Jewish people of what God has done for them, and they offer sacrifices and all that. Now we're into the yearly feast. There are seven major yearly feasts found in Leviticus 23. That's where we are. And there are several others. We'll talk about them. There's non-yearly feasts like the sabbatical year and the year of Jubilee. We'll talk about those. And then special feasts like the wedding feast. We mentioned it. If you were in church for the first service, uh, we talked about the wedding feast because in our passage in Revelation, we're talking about the marriage supper of the Lamb. So we'll talk more about that and we'll talk about bar mitzvah and those kind of things as we get through it. So we've seen the Sabbath and all those, uh, the Sabbath and the new moon and Passover. So look at Leviticus. You can look at Leviticus 23, verse 4. It's got right here. It can be in your Bible, but you can look. These are the appointed times 
of the Lord. Notice it's L-O-R-D, all capitals. That means it's the personal name of God, Y-H-W-H. These are the appointed times of the Lord, holy convocations, days that are set apart, which you shall proclaim at the times appointed them. And then he tells us this. In the first month, on the 14th day of the month at twilight, is the Lord's Passover. So Passover, let, let me just say something to you. We talked about this last week. Jesus Christ, the, the, the day in a Jewish calendar, the day begins at nighttime. So t- tonight, at basically 6 o'clock, it's Monday night for a Jewish calendar, and then tomorrow is Monday day. So last night at 6 o'clock, basically, it became Sunday night, and this is Sunday day. That's how Jesus, on the 14th day of the month, in the evening, could eat the Passover meal on the 14th day, that was the nighttime, and then the next day, during the daytime, be put on the cross and die on Passover. He could eat the Passover meal the night before, because that's actually the 14th day of the month, and the next day is the 14th day of the month. They do it different than we do. They got it from God. Because we go back to Genesis, it says in the evening and the morning with the first day, in the evening and the morning with the second day. So that's how God set it up. So he says, in the first month, on the 14th day of the month, at twilight is the Passover. So it begins at night, and they have a meal. And then he goes on to say, then on the 15th day of the same month, after Passover is over, there's a feast of unleavened bread <coughs> to the Lord, for seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. Now that's, that's sort of where we are. So on the 14th day of the, of the first month is Passover. On the 15th day, through the, basically the 22nd, uh, is, 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 the, is unleavened bread. Now, we're looking right now at Passover. Listen, Passover, unleavened bread, and first fruits go all together. What I did for you, if you remember on the sheet that I handed out a couple of weeks ago, I gave you a list of all the feasts. I put another one, a different one, on the back of your handout this time, which lists the seven feasts from the book of Leviticus and gives you a little information about those. You don't have to look at that right now. In fact, don't look at it right now, but I just put that for you so you don't anybody look at it. You're looking at it, but anyway. So anyway, we'll, we'll see how that ties together. So let's talk about Passover. We mentioned it last week. Let's do this. Uh, Leviticus, on the 14th day of the first month of the evening is the beginning of months, and then that, uh, that's the Lord's Passover. So let's talk about it for a second. We're going to look at the background of Passover, the Jewish Passover meal, and then Jesus as a type of Passover. Do you understand that? So let's start, and I mentioned this last week, and I spent just a little bit of giving the background. I won't go into the detail that I gave last week, but the background was this. The nation of Israel got into captivity. Joseph Joseph had gone down there. He was the top man. He brought his family down. Pharaoh loved the Jewish people and everything was fine until Joseph died and then Pharaoh, a different Pharaoh came in. He didn't know Joseph. The Jewish people were populating so much he made them all slaves. They were slaves for over 400 years. God raised up a man named Moses. When Moses was 40 years old, he said, I think I'm the one to deliver my people. He actually killed somebody and they found out and he ran off and for eight 40 more years when he was 80 years old. He was on the backside of the desert. He probably said to himself, I was supposed to deliver Israel from Egypt, but I blew it. But when he's 80 years old, a burning bush happens. He goes to the burning bush. God says to him, you will go back to Egypt and let my people go. And he 
he didn't really want to, and he said maybe somebody else could go, and so God said, your brother Aaron's coming, y'all are going to meet, y'all are going to go back, he's going to be your voice, you're going to make it, and so they came to, to the Pharaoh, and they told Pharaoh, God said, let his people go, Pharaoh wouldn't do it, so God began to judge the there were 10 gods that God judged of the Egyptians. The river Nile was a god. The sun was a god. The frogs were gods. All kind of different things were gods. And God judged all of those up until a 10th one. And the 10th one, God said to Pharaoh and, and used Moses to tell him that in, in the middle of the night, on the 14th day of the first month, he's going to send an angel who's going to come through and kill all the firstborn the firstborn males of every household. Now, for the Jewish people, they were to take an animal, a lamb, kill it, that's Passover lamb, put the blood on the door, get in the house. When the, la- when the angel of death comes through in the middle of the night, if there's blood on the door, he does what? He passes over. So all the Jewish people who believed God believed about the, about the lamb who would save them, and they put the blood on the door, and that's why it says in Exodus 12, 30, I will see the blood, and I will pass over. And in the middle of the night, every house in Egypt had somebody dead except Jewish people. And they left. Pharaoh said, get out, and they left. And we know all the rest of the stories. But every year after that, Jewish people would always celebrate Passover, because that's when God passed over them, and they would celebrate that, and it was a memorial for the nation. That's why in Leviticus he says, on the first month, on the 14th day of the month at twilight is the Passover. He said, I want you to remember that. Don't ever forget it. From that, let's talk about Jewish Passover, and let's talk about quickly, and I'm going to do this really fast, but just so that we can get it in time-wise, how did the Jewish people, or how do the Jewish people even do Passover? Well, even at the time of Christ, we'll talk about it, the the Passover would take place in the spring, and they had to get what out of their house? Had to get what out of their house? Leaven. They call that spring cleaning, right? That's where spring cleaning comes from. They came in, and they went through the house, and they got everything out that might be in there, any leaven and anything at all, because the 14th day of the first month is Passover, and the 15th through the 21st month is the, is the Feast of Unleavened Bread. There can be no leaven in the house, and so that's the plan. And so they would do that. They would get everything out, picture of removing sin, everything getting ready, and then they would, they would come together, and in the evening, the mother, the woman, would light the candles to start the Passover meal. Now, when Jesus met with his guys, there wasn't many women there. We're not sure who lit it. Maybe Jesus lit the candles. We don't know. And, and they would all come together, and they had a thing called a Haggadah, which is they would read it. In fact, today, you can, I've got one. I've got two different ones. I've got one that is a Jewish one, that is if a Jewish family did it. I've also got one that is a Jewish Christian one. It goes right through the Jewish thing, but it highlights every aspect of the foreshadow of Jesus Christ. So it's really, really good. Uh, uh, and that's the Passover meal. So they would start off, and the head of the family, whoever that was, the oldest man, probably the dad, he would read the Haggadah, and he would read them through the story of what happened. That's called Passover. Most likely that night. Who do you think read? Who do you think talked about it? Who? The, who well, who is he? When the disciples met, who was the head? Jesus. He's the one going to be doing the talking, most likely. Okay, so let's think through this. They would start off, and there are four cups. 
The first cup was called sanctification. They would actually pour a little cup, and they would all drink it, and it was called the cup of sanctification. It was remember that they were set apart. Sanctification means to be set apart, that they were set apart by God as his people. Then they took three little pieces of bread. They're, they're flat. They're like crackers. Just think of three big crackers. <coughs> and they would take the middle one. The father would take the middle one and break it. Put them together. Put it in a little, little like a little bag or a little something. And then he would go hide it. Now, it represents the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The middle one represents the Son. What did they do with that bread just then? It's broken. It's a picture of being crucified. It's, that's what it is. Anyway, so they would do that. And, and then uh, the, 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 the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the Son is broken. And then the youngest child, after it's gone and hidden, the youngest one at the table. Who would be the youngest one with the disciples? Anybody know? It's, it's John. John was the youngest one. And the youngest one would say, they would ask this question, the youngest one would say, why is this night different than any other night? And then they would tell the story, the story of Passover. And they would read Exodus 12. And they would talk about the blood of the lamb being applied to the door and how they came out. And at that time, they, they would eat a meal. Now, what I understand, and I've tried to read as much as I can find, since the destruction of the temple in AD 70, they don't really sacrifice a lamb anymore, but they have a shank bone, which represents the blood of the lamb on the door. They also have bitter herbs and parsley and salt water. Salt water represents the Red Sea going across the Red Sea. The bitter herbs represents the suffering in Egypt. And, and they had uh, to have apples and wine and honey and things and all kind of things. And they also have unleavened bread. Why? Because there's no time for the bread to rise since they were to get out of Egypt as fast as possible. So they tell the whole story. Then they have another cup, which is called the cup of deliverance. And what they do is they take that cup and in their plate, they drop 10 drops of the wine before they drink it. Each one represents one of the 10 plagues. And remember how God did that. Then they have a meal. And it's usually a large meal and a lot of food and a great time. And after the meal, the father then goes and finds the, the, the matzah, the three pieces, and he pulls out the one that is what? Broken. And then he breaks that and passes it around. What did Jesus say? Take, he broke the bread and what did he do? He gave it to them. That's after the supper. If you'll read the, the, uh, the, the, the accounts of the Passover meal, it says, after supper, Jesus took the bread and that's what he did. And he broke it and he told him to eat it. It represented his body. Then, then after the supper, they find the matzah. It's a picture of Jesus, the three pieces. The middle one is broken. That's a picture of his death. And then they found him, and that's a picture of his resurrection. And Jesus took it, broke it, and said, this is my body. 2 Corinthians 5, 21, he had no sin. He, he was born in the house of bread. That's Bethlehem. He called himself the what? The bread of life. That's who he is. Now, I'm going to show you two other things that, that are found in the Scripture. One is that matzah... Is, is, and is, we, we got it misspelled in one of them, but matzah is striped. First Peter 2.24, by his stripes we are healed. Matzah is also pierced. Zechariah 12.10, they will look on him whom they have pierced. So it's a picture of Jesus Christ. That's who it really is. Then they would drink. Now remember, they've already had cup number one, cup number two. They have now eaten the bread. Jesus said, take this is my what? 
body, and then what? Then they have their third cup, and the third cup was called the cup of what? Redemption, and that's where Jesus said, take, this is my blood, and he is the redeemer. In 1 Peter 1.18, we're not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. So you can see this Passover meal that Jesus did with his disciples or did it or or the Passover meal that we see fits perfectly on who Jesus is and what he does. There's a fourth cup. It's called communion. And guess what? They didn't drink it. They didn't drink the fourth cup. It's called fellowship communion. Do you know what he said? We won't drink this till we drink it when? In the kingdom. That's the marriage supper of the Lamb. That's when they're going to drink it. Because that's going to be the next time they have a banquet. Right? So he, they, he, they left. And, and that, so that's the fourth cup. And Jesus, that most, when you do the Passover, you drink the fourth cup. I, I imagine they were a little surprised when Jesus said, we're not going to drink it. Uh, let me go back here. Jesus and his disciples did not drink this cup. Well, then they would do this. They would sing a song. Psalms 113 through 118, they were sang at this feast. Uh, Psalm 114 fits the Exodus. Most people believe they sang all of them or some of them, and they would leave. Well, now let's see, how is Jesus our Passover, okay? He's a type of the Passover lamb. That's who he is. He's the Passover. In Matthew, by the way, this is Matthew 26, uh, the first cup was called sanctification. The best we can understand, he may have drank the first cup, got up and washed their feet and came back. Or he may have washed their feet and then drank. We can't tell on how it goes through it. The second cup was the plagues. And that's when they went and they dropped the, the different things and they remembered it. Then he took the bread after blessing. Remember, they've already hidden. They've already broken the bread and hidden that. And now I guess he went and found it or he got John to go find it. They found it, brought it back. He took the middle piece out and he broke it and gave it to his disciples. And he said, this is what? My body. So the next time you think of the Lord's Supper and you think about this is the bread, that was the that was the three pieces and the middle one that was broken that Jesus and, that, and most of them probably thought of Father, Son, Spirit. And he gives them and says, this is my body. Broken and given to the disciples as a picture of Jesus Christ. And then what did it say after that? It says, then he took a what? A cup. It was the third cup. The cup of redemption. As in Matthew 26, 26 and 27, he says, take this is, the, this is the blood of the new covenant. And they're drinking the third cup. And what was the third cup called? The third cup was called the cup of redemption. Wow. And this fits. And then the fourth cup, communion. And Jesus told him in Matthew 26, 29, we will not drink of this cup until we drink it in the kingdom. So he's waiting. He's waiting for us to all get there to finish the, the, that eventual Passover of what he did. And then it goes on to say, whoops, I had it right there. It goes on to say, after this, they sang a hymn. And we don't know what the hymn was. It could have been uh, any one of those. Uh, they're called Hallel Psalms. If you remember from, if you were in first service this morning, what does the word Hallel mean? Huh? Praise. Hallelujah, hallelujah, praise the Lord. And they sang the Hallel hymns, uh, which were Psalms basically 112, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. They sang those. They were all praise songs. 
And they praised praise God as they went through it. So, here's what is of key. Jesus changed the meal from looking back at the Passover lamb in Egypt to seeing Jesus as our Passover lamb who will deliver us from the bondage of sin. That's what they saw. And so, Jesus Christ was indeed our Passover lamb. John 129, if you remember, Jesus is out there doing all kinds of things. John the Baptist has already baptized Jesus, and he saw the, the Holy Spirit come down upon the Son, and the Father say, this is my beloved Son, whom I'm well pleased. So John the Baptist knows who Jesus is. He's standing with his disciples. Jesus walks by, and what does John say? Behold, John 129, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Who is the Lamb of God? That's Jesus, but that's the Passover lamb. Who delivered the nation of Israel from the bondage in Egypt? The Passover lamb. Who delivers mankind from the bondage of sin? The Passover lamb, Jesus Christ. That's who he is. That's why it's so important when you say, why are we studying the feast of Israel? Because the Passover is our Passover. Jesus Christ is our Passover lamb. Look at this right here. He is the lamb without defect. No sin. He is the broken bread. This is my body. He is the cup of redemption. This is my blood. First Corinthians chapter 5 verse 7 says, Clean out the old leaven that you may be a new lump, just as you are in fact unleavened. For Christ, our Passover has been sacrificed. Paul writes that to the Corinthians and reminds them that Jesus Christ is the Passover lamb, sacrificed for us to pay for our sins. So Jesus Christ is the Passover lamb sacrificed. He died and rose again. He is the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We're going to get through a little bit early so I can open it up for questions before we break in just a second. But let me give you an application. First of all, trust Jesus as Passover lamb. There may be people in this room who have said to themselves, how do I, how do I get to heaven? How do I have eternal life? How can I be with God forever? They may have heard things like walk down an aisle or give your life to Jesus or try to live a good life or get baptized. Jesus Christ has done it all. He's the Passover lamb. He died on the cross to pay for sin and rose again. And he offers to any person the gift of eternal life simply by faith. So whoever believes in Jesus will never perish but have everlasting life. So I hope and pray that every one of you in this room that you have already trusted in Jesus Christ as your Passover lamb. He is the savior of the world. He's the one that gives us eternal life. The second one, I just understand that one day we will eat with Jesus in the marriage supper of the Lamb. And I think we'll drink the fourth cup. And, and no telling what that marriage supper is going to be like. It could be a review. It could be a review of the Passover meal to uh, remind us all what Jesus Christ has done. And if it is, then we will definitely drink the fourth cup. Uh, they, they didn't. Uh, I've, been, uh, at, I've been at a church in which we actually did uh, we did a Passover meal for the whole church. We came in on a Sunday night, put up tables, brought the food, and I had a guy who was a, uh, a Jewish Christian who was with Jews for Jesus, and he came in and he did the Passover for us, the Passover meal, explaining everything. It was incredible. It was one of the nice, get one of the eye-opening things to see how everything fits. So I want you to understand that when we say Sabbath day, new moon, Passover, it's not just we say Passover. We realize that Passover for us, for the Jewish people, look back 
for getting out of Egypt, but it also looked forward to Jesus as Messiah and Savior. When we think of Passover, we think of our Passover lamb, the the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world.